Okay, so hi guys, um, I'm Ellie. I'm going to be doing some podcasts on um, A-level PE, uh, the AQA paper. I've never done anything like this before, but one of my friends said they thought something like this would be quite useful, so I thought I'd give it a go. Um, I apologise in advance, I've got a cold today, so I might sound a bit horrible. But today I'm going to go over the um, like skill transfer and practice, so it's like one of the easier booklets in paper one. We're going to cover like characteristics of skill, use of skill continua, um, justification of like skill placement on the continua, transfer of learning, um, like understanding of um, how transfer and learn- of learning impacts the skill development, methods of presenting practice, types of practice and understanding how knowledge of skill classification informs practice structure. So to begin with, um, the characteristics of s- skill, um, there's like a mnemonic to help um, remember these it's Kagler face so the characters of skill are coordinated aesthetically pleasing goal directed learned accurate fluent adaptable consistent and economical so a lot of these definitions are pretty self-explanatory um, but I'll go through them briefly so if a skill is like consistent, um, it means the skill is performed repeatedly with few mistakes. Um, aesthetically pleasing means basically that it looks good and it's performed with like grace and elegance. Um, goal directed means that the skill has an aim and a predetermined result. Learned means that like you're not born with the ability to perform these skills, but they're practiced and perfected over time. Um, adaptable shows you can change your skill to fit the environment that you're put in fluent meaning the skill involves like good technique where movement is coordinated and smooth accurate um again pretty self-explanatory but it just shows that the uh, skill is performed with correct technique and consistent meaning that the athlete has practiced his skill multiple times um to the extent where each routine is the same with minimal mistake and then um, economical means the athlete creates the skill without wasting unnecessary energy so there are lots, uh, moving on to like um, skill continua, there's lots of different continua. Um, the first one we'll look at is the open and closed continua. So um, this depends on like the environmental influence. So an open skill um, are those skills that are performed when the sporting environment is unpredictable and changes frequently. For example, in a team's game. Um, so if there's like a footballer passing a ball, that skill is quite open because it depends on the opposition who are trying to tackle and defend and the position of their players at the time. Um, and then a closed skill, which is the other, other end of the continua, um, is where the environment is predictable and unchanging. For example, um, in a shot put or a javelin throw, there's no one else in your environment that affects how you perform in that moment. It's all on you. Um and yeah, another continua is gross and fine. So this is like the size and muscle groups used. It's the size, not the amount, which can be quite confusing. Um, so gross um, skills are when uh, the skills are performed using large muscle groups um, and the actions that they're um, executed aren't particularly precise. Whereas fine skills are performed using smaller muscle groups and usually requires a high 
degree of um, hand-eye coordination and precision. So for example, a growth sport would be something like rugby because the size of the muscle groups you're using are very large. For example, like your quadriceps, your hamstrings, whereas a fine skill would be something like table tennis because you're not really using any of your larger muscles and um, precision's involved to make sure that you hit the right side of the um, table, for example. Obviously, sports can fit within the continua and can be like because you can have sports that use um like large muscle groups but also need like elements of precision for example long jump you use bigger muscles like your quads your hamstrings your uh, gluteals but you also need good precision when hitting the board so even though that skill may be gross it may have you know be closer um towards the fine and then something like rugby because there are still some elements of precision um, another um, continuum is self-paced and externally paced. It's pretty self-explanatory. Self-paced is when the performer controls when the action is performed and externally paced is when it's dependent on someone else. So the self-paced would be, example, uh, for example, like a weightlifter. They decide when they pick up the weight, within reason, obviously, and they can't stand there all day. But um, they begin the action, they finish the action, whereas... In something like tennis um, or football, some some aspects of football, like tackling, it's dependent on when someone else makes the move. So, for example, in tennis, it's dependent on when your opponent takes a shot as to when you respond. Um, another continua is the continuity. Um, so there are three parts to this continua, discrete, serial and continuous. Discrete is when the skill has a clear beginning and end. For example, a serve in tennis, you can see when the ball has left the player's hand and when the shot is taken. It's pretty simple. The start and finish, you know um, how to distinguish it. A serial skill is when several discrete skills that are like are linked together. For example, a gymnastics routine um, or trampolining routine because each part of the gymnastics routine, each part of the trampolining routine will all be little discrete skills but as a skill together, they're all linked. And then continuous is when the actual skill itself has no clear beginning or end. For example, cycling, there's no clear beginning and end from um, when each pedal is made, for example, when each skill is completed. And it's the same with things like running and swimming. There are quite a few continua, but we're almost there. Um, the next one is how e- easily the skill is broken down. So there's highly organised skills and low... Um, organized skills so if the skill is highly organized it means it's really hard for the skill to be broken down um for example um an overhead kick in football you can't practice this bit by bit and break it down into subroutines because um it well it's just not really possible for something like that whereas a low organization skill may be breaststroke you can break that skill down into subroutines for example um you can hold a float with your arms and just practice your legs uh, actions to, you know, perfect each um, section of the skill. And then there's also another to continue is simple and complex skills. And this isn't to do with like how easy the skill is or anything like that. It's to do with how much information processing occurs during these different events. So a simple skill would be something that has limited decision-making. There's not, you know, your environment necessarily isn't 
unchanging and um it's what you have to do is pretty straightforward so for example it'd be like a 100 meter sprint there aren't many decisions that need to um take place within that sport all you need to do is set off when the gun goes and obviously run to the finish line stop when you get past the finish line that'd be simple because there's not many decisions whereas something like a hockey game would be more complex because there's lots of decisions that need to be made for example um do I drill past this player or do I pass to another player um etc etc um or like seeing who's available to pass to which player they pass to and that would mean the skill is more complex and that is it for continua um we'll now be moving on to transfer of learning so there's four types of transfer of learning uh, the first one is bilateral which is quite simple it's just the transfer of skill from limb to limb or side to side for example whilst playing basketball bilateral uh, transfer will occur when the basketball player moves from using dribbling with their left hand to dribbling with their right hand so the skill of dribbling can be transferred from side to side another transfer of learning um, is negative negative transfer is when the skills are very similar but look look very similar but they're actually very different and negative transfer hinders learning of a new skill for example negative transfer would occur when you go from playing a sport like tennis to playing a sport like badminton although these sports you know require similar you know rackets and they look on the front very similar sports a lot of there's a lot of difference um within the technique for example you hit um, a tennis ball with a lot of force um through your arm whereas a badminton uh, shuttlecock you most of the action through your wrist so if a person goes from playing tennis to playing badminton and thinking that it um will be easy for them and they'll take on the skills that they learn in tennis to try and leave badminton there will be um their skills will be hindered and it will hinder their learning because although it looks the same it's very different Zero transfer of learning is another transfer and it's where the skills are completely different and there is no effect on learning one sport to having the knowledge of another. For example, swimming and rock climbing. There is no resemblance in the skill that takes place in both these events. So if you're a swimmer and you try rock climbing, there's going to be no necessary like advancement of the skill because of this previous skill, but there's also going to be no hindering of the learning. And then the final transfer of learning is positive. Um, this is when a performer will go f- from one sport to a very similar sport and the skills that they learn in this sport will actually posit- positively affect and, adhan- and enhance their learning. For example, if a performer is very good at hockey and they move to playing football, although they are different sports, there are some skills that can be taken from one sport to the other and positively um, impact it for example like their decision making um, how they work together as a team um, and their positioning within a game will all help um, them understand the next skill so those are all the transfers of learning um, now there are two things that we're going to go into now methods of pretend- presenting practice and types of practice they're very different um, they sound very similar though, so 
try not get them confused. So firstly, we're going to go over methods of presenting practice. There are three methods of presenting practice. Whole practice, whole part whole and progressive part practice. We're going to start with talking about whole practice. So whole practice is when the skill is practiced um, as a motor program. This just means like full movement um, without breaking it down into subroutines. So this has some positives. It's very good for um, skills that um, are that can't be broken down and um, it's very good for elite performers. Um, it's very good for simple sports because you don't need to you don't have a lot of information processing going on that needs to be understood whilst you're practicing the skill it's also very good for uh, continuous skills um ballistic which just means fast skills and skills that are low in danger um whereas we'll go on to the main like positives and negatives of them all in a moment but i'll just give you a brief description of progressive part practice so progressive part practice is like links in a chain um, it's when the skill is broken down into subroutines to be practised. So it is not practised as a motor programme, it's split up. Um, this is good for skills that are in low organisation, so it can be broken down easily. Um, complex skills, because they need to under, uh, understand what's going on, and if not, call, cause information overload. Um, serial skills, it's good for. Um, skills that are like slow in, in pace and high danger. And then whole part whole is usually the best method. This is when you combine basically the positive aspects of both um, practices. So you do you practice the um, skill as a motor program altogether. So that's taking something from whole practice. Then you split it into subroutines, perfect each part, and then put it back together as a motor program. So the positives of just whole practice on its own is it helps develop a kinesthetic feel for the whole skin, whole skill, not skin, sorry. Um, links between subroutines are maintained, and this means that the movement can be stored as a motor unit in the long-term memory. So it's easy to recall when they're um, repeating this skill. Um, performance can be more fluent with this because they're so used to doing it all together. Um, it makes learning faster. You're not wasting any time and it makes it more realistic and helps produce positive transfer. Um, it also um, promotes consistency as well. However, there are some negative effects. It can um, place unnecessary demands on the performer. It's not great for cognitive learners, so beginners, and it can be very tiring if the full skill is practiced without a break, especially if it's a very like demanding skill. Um, and if it is if it is a more complex skill that you're doing as a whole practice, that um, can cause information load overload in the performer. Then moving on to progressive part practice, the positives of this are it allows time to focus on a specific weakness that the performer can um, help to perfect. Um, fatigue is also reduced due to these rest periods in between. Um, success can also be in stages, so motivation is easily um, restored. So... When you break it down into subroutines, if you master a subroutine, um, you'll get a feeling of success and it'll improve your motivation, confidence and task persistence. Um, and it also allows a coach um, and player 
to help focus on the specific areas and the coach can then easily identify what weaknesses there are. However, um, the disadvantages are it's time consuming, it doesn't give the kinesthetic feel of the whole skill and certain parts um, can be ignored. The positives of whole part practice are basically both the positives of progressive part practice and whole part practice. Um, But it can... It does still have some negatives, but not as many. Um, and the negatives aren't as bad as the negatives for the whole practice and progressive part. Um, so it can produce negative transfer if too long is spent on the um, part section of the whole part whole. Um, and it is more time consuming than whole practice. But I think that all the positives of whole part whole um, definitely outweigh the negatives. Um, now we're going on to types of practice. So remember to not get this confused with methods. Um, they are very different and you can get um, a bit tricked on questions. So there are four types. Um, there's massed, distributed, varied and mental. So massed is very similar to hold, but again, don't get it confused. Massed is when it's, the training is continuous. So you get given a certain period of time and you practice that skill continuously in that space of time with little or no rest um they keep working until either until the times run out like i said or until the skill is mastered distributed practice is uh, practice with like relatively long intervals in between each block of attempts so the intervals could be rest periods like um progressive part um or um they could be set alternative tasks in these rest periods um however it's important that no negative transfer occurs during these um alternative tasks varied practice is when um a performer needs to learn um how to adapt to different situations so it's very important for open skills um where the situation will be different every time mental practice is um as it sounds the mental practice of a skill um this is because the brain can't tell the difference between the imagined experience and performing it for real so it actually sends impulses to the muscles these impulses aren't strong enough to make um, any of the muscles contract, but they are passed down the nervous system, which makes um, which means that the pathway becomes imprinted on the nervous system. So whenever you come to actually practicing the skill after mentally um, practicing beforehand, it's your body remembers it. It's like you've already done it. So again, that puts you in adv- as an advantage and helps build your confidence and motivation. Um, we're nearly at the end here we'll just talk about what is best for each type of skill um each type of practice sorry so if you're doing mass practice then it's useful for closed discrete simple fine self-paced and low danger skills whereas distributed is um more beneficial for open skills continuous skills complex skills growth skills externally pay skills and skills that are high in danger varied practice as i said is very good for open skills and um externally paced it's also very good for continuous skills like cycling swimming and running um, to help motivate maintain motivation uh, mental rehearsal is useful for any type of skill um because it helps increase their motivation any person can imagine themselves doing any skill and it will have the same um benefits beginners um should be short 
with their mental rehearsal though um because they need to have like basic um requirements of the skill so their mental practice should be short and the key part should be emphasized whereas experts um the techniques and mental practice are established to prepare for like a major game including tactics strategies um and it helps them give helps give them that extra edge so we'll quickly go through the advantages and disadvantages and then we have finished this topic it's a bit longer than i thought it would be um but that's just because i'm not talking very fast well i don't know actually i'm sorry if i am talking fast but um the positives of mental rehearsal um are not mental rehearsal sorry mental practice are it improves confidence it lowers anxiety it stimulates muscle receptors so that the player is better prepared and reaction times are increased um it develops cognitive ability so it improves the decision making and can be done whilst injured the only disadvantage is it's not easy to do so it is very difficult for some cognitive learners um the positives of distribution practice are uh, that it allows rest time so it delays fatigue and it's good for beginners as it um allows controlled progress at like a suitable pace feedback is given during rest periods to improve motivation mental practice can also be used during these rest periods and it's a safer way to practice more dangerous activities however it can be very time consuming so it's not very um suitable if like fast progress is needed um and there's risk of negative transfer occurring after a rest period the positives of mast practice are it promotes fitness so the performer can cope with the demands um it makes the skill more automatic so fixed responses become habitual and it's an efficient use of time however it can cause fatigue um there's danger of negative transfer unless training is realistic um there's higher demands on the player so the coach needs to ensure that their motivation is high because if they're not highly motivated and they go into mass practice um the likelihood of them dropping out or stopping is much higher um and it's that's why it's uh, less useful for beginners um and then very practice the positives are it allows adaptation in changing environments so great for open skills it prevents boredom which then increases their motivation it also builds subroutines and develops schema by adapting these skills however it's more time consuming um increases the risk of negative transfer unless um the drills are integrated and realistic and there's risk of information overload with too many changes to the environment and the skills and there is also a danger of it. um so yeah that's it for our first booklet thank you for listening um i hope it's helpful